Welcome to Unfortunately Required Reading. This <sighs> week, we're talking about the worst book of all time. Ah, no. No. Okay. No. A wor- the worst book of all time, I still think, is a separate piece. <laughs> what about Empress Teresa? Anyway, please don't write us a letter. Um, man who wrote Empress Teresa. Um, yes. So this week, we're covering The Scarlet Letter by Nathaniel yes. Hawthorne, or as I like to call it, only women are punished for sex. I mean, the guy gets kind of punished. No, he punishes himself like a douchebag. But he, I mean, okay, it's still punishment. All right. So what are we drinking? So hi, because I love all of you and I spent way too much time researching alcohol for this episode, we're drinking a sour cherry ale because uh, the Puritans brought with them more beer than water, which was a great idea, by the way. Because water was nasty. Okay, actually, so I've been watching Crash. No, so I've been watching Crash Course uh, European History. Which I have not started until recently because I thought it was going to be bad because I know John Green hates it. It's not bad. You can tell he hates it. And they actually did like the. It's kind of a myth that all the water was bad. Like there definitely were problems, but like it's kind of like an anachronistic myth. There were oh. wells that like had water and things were okay. So to the sour cherry ale. That's not the worst thing I've ever consumed. No, it's not bad. I'm putting grenadine in this. Normally I'm not a ale person, but I like it. We just spent like the last several minutes talking about Game of Thrones, so it feels a little bit appropriate. It does feel very appropriate. Yes. And then you also got some epic bread and cheese. Yeah, so I have a sea salt ciabatta roll uh, to go with it. Because I think we've decided uh, with the cracker embargo that we're going to start using bread. So good. I'm glad. And the cheese today, because I was Googling what pairs well with cherries, they say either go blue or go like smoked. So it's like, why not both? So I have, and it's actually called, um, I think it's smoky, it's like smoked moody blue, I think is the cheese. I mean, that kind of describes a lot of us. Which is why I got it. I mean, minus the smoke. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So it's a blue cheese. That has that good lactic funk, because that made Tori laugh when we were downstairs. Oh, I keep going, we love the funk. Um, I usually don't eat a lot of blue cheese as is, but I'm very excited. Tori's already eaten two pieces. Mm-hmm. Uh, really good. Because apparently this truly is ratatouille. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I need to get a piece of apple and just sit there and smell it and be all weird. Yeah, it was strawberry. It was mm. strawberry and oh. another cheese. I don't remember what the cheese was. I think it was Comte or Gruyere. So I'm reading this book right now. It's about what you feed dick or what the uh, chefs did to feed dictators like Saddam Hussein and stuff. And it's really, just, really well done. It's not out yet. Um, it is called How to Feed a Dictator. And they were talking about how this guy used to be a chef um, at a restaurant. And mm-hmm. he's like... I tried to train a rat in the back alley. This was before Ratatouille. And he goes, thankfully, the rat was smart enough to just take the food and leave. I will say this. There is a book that I had a while ago on my Kindle that I have to look up. That's like a famous last meals of people. Mm. And it covers a fair amount of dictators. So I'll have to dig that up because I think that that's fascinating. Again, please note, we are violently running away from the topic. Mm-hmm. This is what we do. This is what we uh, live for. Uh, so for those of you who are uninitiated... Uh, because we did just cross a thousand plays. Yeah. Thank um, you, guys. Thank you, guys. Uh, for those of you who are uninitiated, this is pain month because it is our birth month for the podcast. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, so we both decided to cover the books that we hate the most. And mine was Ethan Frome. And mine is the fucking Scarlet Letter, which yes. I've had to read in multiple classes in multiple levels. I have two. The most visited piece of information on my blog is an essay I read about the Scarlet Letter in college. Hmm. Because people keep Googling how the fuck to talk about it. Ugh. So, so hopefully we'll help you a little bit. I, I will be of no assistance. But I'll just also remind you that, you know, you can basically throw away the first hour of the 1995 movie with Gary Oldman. But don't, though. We'll get into that later. The cheese is really good. Cheese is really good. All right. Short story long. Mm-hmm. So our narrator talks about his job in a Salem customs house. He goes on and on and on and on about all the politics he has to play and how much he hates his fucking job. And then all of a sudden he finds this A on the floor and he's like, oh, this is wrapped in a news story. I wonder what the history might be. Basically, Nathaniel Hawthorne just writing himself. Anyway. Wait, this actually happens in Watchmen where like you kind of discover like this comic book around a comic book. Mm -hmm. Do I have to give Hawthorne like a clever point? Nope. No, you do not. Cool, I'm not going to. So, a group of gossips <clears throat> stand outside the town prison. Hester Prine, our heroine, is being led out of, with her child who is four months old, Pearl. She was arrested after being discovered as pregnant and refusing to give up who the father was. This is not an episode of Maury. I also have to pause you here again. You said Prine. Isn't it Prine? I've always heard Prin. Okay. Prin. So I just didn't know if I was wrong. I wasn't trying to put you on blast. <laughs> Continue. I've heard it both ways in two different classes and two different things so everything is wrong and nothing matters got yes. it she wears an a on her breast for adultery which amanda and i are doing right now yeah look at um, our instagram the reverend jimsdale from here on out known mostly as baby daddy calls hester forward and has her stand on the village pillory for three hours to be jeered at by the village hester sees her husband whom she thought he was dead in the audience he indicates to her to keep her mouth shut and not give him away this guy, Mr. Prynne, also known as Roger Chillingworth, also known as the Doctor, comes to speak to Hester with a pretty serious well, well, well speech. He claims he will destroy Baby Daddy, but Hester refuses to give him up. Chillingsworth ends up the town doctor because he has medical training and because he was captured by local natives, knows all sorts of root work. He moves in with Mr. Dimsdale and the world's worst odd couple. Is it like a... Is it like the dramatic retelling that Lindsay Ellis wants for uh, Hercules, where instead of Meg getting her freedom, like Hercules has to stay in Hades with Hades, and it's like Beauty and the Beast, and they have to like learn to love each other? That would be amazing. Just all the bad puns coming from Hades. I would pay cash money. <laughs> Hercules going, stop voting for the current president! Anyway. <sighs> Hester lives at the edge of town after this, and people talk a lot of smack. Of course they do. Mm -hmm. They say Pearl should be taken away from Hester because Hester has got to be a bad influence. Hester goes before the governor, and the governor talks about Pearl being taken away, but Dimsdale shows up and explains that he thinks Pearl is Hester's redemption from God. Dimsdale's health is getting shittier and shittier, and then Chillingsworth sees a scarlet A on his bare chest, which I think is some sort of weird foreplay, but that's besides the point. Okay. Hester and Pearl are walking through town. Dimsdale appears to them at the pillory and starts to talk to him. There's suddenly a comet in the sky and Chillingworth is like, this is a sign, bitch, it's on. <laughs> Pearl is obsessed with her mom's A and she's about seven at this point. So she's always tracing it, talking about it. And Hester realizes after a bunch of crazy stuff that she has to tell Dimsdale that Chillingsworth is her husband and he's probably trying to kill him. 
They meet in the woods and Pearl is like, you should stand up with us in front of the town. And Dimsdale's like, no, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> Pearl gets weird and won't come close to him because Hester has taken off her A and her cap. Baby daddy and Hester decide to go to Boston. Hester has to put the A back on because otherwise Pearl won't come to her. Oh, God. She doesn't is... recognize her, supposedly. This is so stupid. I'm sorry. Continue. Hester does all the work and gets the tickets because she's cool with the sailors. Dimsdale says he's going to give a speech on election day since the governor has died. He gives this impassaged speech. I can't talk. Impassioned. impassioned. <laughs> before confessing his sins and then dying in Hester's arms, which I think is a total cop-out. Mm-hmm. Chillingworth later dies and leaves Pearl a huge inheritance. Pearl's married some rich dude in Europe. And Hester comes home and lives the rest of her life in her cottage as a beloved member of the community. Okay. Um... So, I hate this book. I hate this book so fucking much. Uh, this might be a dumb question, but this is always uh, my problem with this whole thing is just take the fucking A off and go somewhere else. Thank you. Okay, so here's <clears throat> the thing. Do you think, like, after she figured out she was pregnant and it was kind of getting obvious that mm-hmm. she could have been like, hey, I'm going to go to Salem. How about you transfer jobs? We'll meet there. And we'll live our life as a married couple. Right, because, like, at this stage, there's, like, what, less than 100 people in America? Yeah, there's not that many. Just go go to Roanoke. <laughs> no, do not go there. <laughs> there's no one there. There's no one here, because they all interbred, likely. I heard zombies. So, what? From Supernatural? <laughs> no. <laughs> there was a whole season about that. Um, yeah, like, the, the one of the current hypotheses is that it was the, it was zombies. And by hypotheses, I mean, like, internet babble. Oh, God. I'm not going to say it's a true hypothesis. All right. So one of the the main questions that we got online, and this is how I learned not to joke about romance novels. Oh, my God. Because, yes, I do understand the concept of romantic literature versus romance novels. But nobody really thinks I do, which was fun. Can I just say, I was ready to go to bat for you like to the point of nearly being rude to some of our Facebook followers. I was just like, whatever, I don't care. I know you, uh, two of you know I'm joking and that's fine. And th- those of you who lovingly tried to point out like what a romance was, I appreciate you. I know you were just being loving. That um, is much nicer than the words that I was going to say, okay. which was eat my entire ass. <laughs> we so, know. If you're wondering, is this book a romance? In the, the answer con- is no. Well, in our <laughs> modern parlance, it is not. In the time frame that this was in of the romance genre, it is an example of what's called dark romance, which is basically it combines realistic and imaginative elements to tell a moving and dreamlike story, which no, it does fucking not. But okay, but also like at that stage, just romance meant a fucking novel. Pretty much. Okay, so there we go. The answer is we're not stupid. (laughs) I'm sorry that we tried to make a joke. And what's really weird, too, is this book takes place when there's war going on in England. The Puritans really didn't want to stir up a lot of shit because they were worried about their colony getting disbanded. So Hawthorne is writing at a time where that's past, except for, you know, I think Not really. civil, like civil war shit. But um, American history is so weird. It No, it, it totally is. But He's like, he's going back and forth on a bunch of shit. So something I'll bring up a little bit later too. He and his sister basically went to the library a lot, which is the Salem Anatheum. Um, and they would go and get 
a shit ton of books on the history because there were all these calls for, hey, let's go ahead and write American literature. But this is where things get a little bit shady because at the time, copyright laws were bullshit. So what would happen is in America, they would steal books that had been published in Britain and had been paid for in Britain, print them for free in the U.S. and distribute them. But if you were an American author, they had to pay you to publish in the U.S., but they ended up stealing the Scarlet Letter and publishing it in the U.K. and Europe and not paying a damn dime to Nathaniel Hawthorne. Okay, but we don't like Nathaniel Hawthorne, so I don't care. Oh, yeah, no, it's funny to me. Okay, uh, copyright is still weird and stupid. I'm just going to go ahead and say that. There's a lot of stuff that's coming into a public domain this year or next year. Uh, I mean, until Disney stops being a monopoly. Never going to happen. Disney Plus. I honestly, you know, so I watch a lot of ContraPoints. I don't know if you know this about me. Do you watch ContraPoints? I know. Ever? I know. Tori has learned so many shocking new things about me today. Um, like the OCD thing? Shut up. <laughs> uh, but ContraPoints, like, in, like, Left Tube, there's been a lot of, like, discourse about, like, a new, like, French Revolution. And I'm like, y'all are crazy. Like, you need to stop. Like, this is, like, really inflammatory and dangerous. Can, can we not? Can we not kill people? But I'm this? also, like, looking at, like, modern discourse and, like, as a social media person, watching people, like, threaten influencers and stuff. I think they're right. Oh, no. I'm scared. I don't think we're going to get, like, guillotines and stuff. I already talking about torture. Um but, like, I don't think we're going to get that bad, but, like, yeah, I do think that we're, like, we are at the crux of, like, the opening part of Anastasia, the animated movie by Don Bluth. No. Well, see, here's <coughs> the thing. Doxing is a form of torture. I, I'm going to, I'm throwing that out there. Okay. Because what it does is it gives all of your personal information to the world. Okay. People use that as they will. Okay. We were having a conversation with somebody I work with about mm-hmm. how um, using property file things because now Mm -hmm. there's a lot of research or tools that you can use Mm -hmm. people have found her home Mm -hmm. and gone there to complain Mm -hmm. but counter argument uh is it okay to leak the information of someone that you feel is causing genuine harm i think that you need to go through other methods first okay that's valid i didn't know we were an ethics podcast oh no don't let me become cheaty because i will Good place? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I have to reference a good place at least once a podcast now. I don't... I, I've never watched it and I have no desire to. So good. People keep saying that. I thought it was going to be super stupid. But people so also... I avoided the first season yeah. and then I watched it and I was like, damn But people it. also said that about Game of Thrones and they were convinced that I would like it, only to find that I don't like it. But then they all watched the last season and then they're like, nah. I don't think the last season was that terrible. But I also like don't emotionally care about anyone's happiness. The only thing that is distracting is, like, for a lot of these actors, this is not, like, my first time seeing them. (laughs) So I'm just like, why are you here, Captain Phasma? (laughs) What are you doing here? Like, it's not like I met her first as Brienne. I met her first as Captain Phasma. And I'm like, why are you here? I love Gwendolyn Christie, though. Yes. Just a powerful. Why do you keep trying to expose my kink of, like, powerful women who can fuck me up? I don't know. I feel very attacked. Is it because I also, I, I mean, we both don't like this book. This isn't a situation where like one of us hates it and the other. Have we had that yet? Have we had that like standoff? Um, I think we've had a couple of them where I'm like, but really it's not that bad. I, I kind of like it. And I'm over in the hate corner. You're like, eh. 
So let's Which talk about themes. Um, I I don't like this book. Okay, a mother's love and a mother's protection. So Hester Prynne is kind of like that archetypal mother. Uh, there's a lot of allusions to her being almost like an inversion of the Mary, the Virgin Mary myth. Mm-hmm. Like a very like I mean obviously not the virgin part but like there is an inverted telling of that story with her. And Nathaniel Hawthorne does not try mm-hmm. to shy away from that. He's like, no, let me throw some lights on this scene so you can look at it. Yeah, he's not he's not subtle about it at all. And like I guess subtlety is not his strong suit at all. Neither is writing. Hmm. <laughs> I'm glad you said it. Why? Why am I? Why am I the scapegoat? I don't know. Um. But yeah, so the idea of like Hester protecting Pearl and everything like that, it's, I mean, I get it. I get it, but it's also stupid and I hate it. So one of the things that drives me crazy about this book is basically Hawthorne felt that Hester was a very strong woman because she wouldn't give up Dimsdale. So I'm going to pause you right here. Please tell the audience how violently angry you were when I sent you the factoid that Hester is considered to be one of the first strong female characters. I think I screamed and I threw something. I think she did as well. Um, It pisses me off to no end because this is a portrayal by a man of a woman who basically is like snitches get stitches. I'm not giving up my baby daddy. And it's like, okay, so she's the only one who's actually outwardly punished mm-hmm. yeah dimsdale like punishes himself but seriously that's all on him can I, I i will i will backtrack here a little bit how much of that is rooted in you just don't like this book because this is also literally the part of the like the plot of like three tyler perry movies i'm not really a big fan of tyler perry i mean i'm not either because i'm, I'm actually that. black but like <laughs> he's 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 black for white people that's what he is <laughs> He's just black enough to where you feel like it's, you know, ooh, how exotic. But it's also like the most bland and boring storytelling, which is why any black person's like, that's just my auntie. Okay, real talk. If you ever want to like understand a Tyler Perry movie, find like your black friends and make them watch it with you and just watch like the utter disinterest. Because like Medea's family reunion is just my family reunion with prettier people. So my question is that movie, The Proposal, do you want to just watch it with me and I'll try to explain to you white culture? I mean, I understand white culture because (laughs) I've been forced to keep up with white hegemonic standards. That's true. My name is Amanda and I have relaxed hair. I know your culture. I had to. (laughs) I mean, we're not wearing Ugg boots right now, so I guess that's good. No, no I did have a, I did have a Starbucks drink this morning though. Oh. So... My husband hates Starbucks because I had two serious boyfriends who worked for Starbucks. Why does that have? What is that? What is that? Well, he also hates Starbucks coffee. But what does that have to, to? To quote my dead grandmother, what does it have to do with the price of tea in China? Anyway, uh, so I don't like this portrayal, but I also think that, like, to be fair, I think this might be colored by our hatred of this book, because really, like, that's a thing—the idea that like the strong, stoic, silent woman is strong. And to be fair. We're going to make this about race now. So get out your bingo cards. As a black woman or a black biological woman, I like seeing this on a white woman because that onus to be strong and silent in media is very on black women. Mm -hmm. Because black women, if we get too loud, well, then we're threatening and then we're scary and then we can't be threatening and scary. So we have to be stoic 
and quiet and just eternally passive and motherly. And that's how you're strongest is when you're quiet and dignified. And it's like, fuck you. Revolutions don't happen by being quiet. What I think what makes me the angriest is fucking Dimsdale when they're walking out of the prison, bringing her up on the pillory is like, guess what? You're a fallen woman. And I'm sitting there going, you're the one who stuck the dick in. Like, but this, this, to be fair, I think this makes me mad because this is the, like you said, onus that a lot of women have yeah. is if you're a teenage girl who has sex with a boy and you get pregnant, that's you. They blame you. Yeah. The boy gets to go off scot-free and do what he needs to do. Yeah. But the girl, oh, well, you need to live with live with your decisions. Right. And then you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. If you do get an abortion or something like that, well, then you're terrible. You're a murderer. I'm not saying any of those things. That's what society says. I'm violently pro-choice. And it's just, it's what, what drives me crazy is so much of the pressure falls on women to be the ones who seek out the birth control. They're the ones who take the pill and get violently sick because sometimes it doesn't really jive with your system. Sometimes it'll give you a stroke. Yes. They're the ones who have to watch their health. They're the ones who have to do all of these things by the condoms half the fucking time because, oh no, no, we can't, we can't let this poor gentleman. Yeah. And it goes into the whole Brock Turner thing, which I don't have time to be okay. this angry about okay. still. No, we don't have time. We don't have time. Oh. I, I, will, I will say that. I think a lot of our anger does stem from this being a little close to home. Thousands of years of oppression. Well, I mean, that too. But like, I think you more so than me. Thank you for acknowledging. Um, Because <laughs> it's not America's next victim contest. Like, we're, Oh, no, it's not. Yeah, we're all in the bad place at this point. Yeah, we're... we're See, I, I know uh-huh. that. I, I know enough about the thing. Um, and uh, something <clears throat> you have to remember, too. A lot of the themes in here, like sin, lust, desire is bad. We live in fucking Texas, okay? This is a day-to-day thing. Abstinence-only education does not work. No. It does not. Eh, I think it works until you hit high school. It was it was great for me until I was 14. And by great, I mean I still have, like, some emotional hang-ups. Well, I mean, it's so fascinating to me about... I mean, we've had this whole concept recently with the whole T.I. thing coming out about oh. being there for his daughter's virginity inspections. But it's like, that's not even the purpose of the hymen. Like, oh my God. And that's it, such a made up concept. Like, you can have your hymen break, like, riding a bicycle too aggressively. And you know what? It still <laughs> doesn't really break. You just have bleeding. Right. Like, it it's doesn't. It's still there. It doesn't. Ma- okay. More importantly, the idea of virginity is made up and stupid. And like, okay. So I'm adding another theme, which is just uh, patriarchal bullshit. Can we just add that yeah, theme? No, that that theme is patriarchal bullshit. That's because like that's what we because that's what it is. It's just it's pa- it's patriarchal bullshit. It's this whole idea that like yeah, the onus is on the woman that if she gets pregnant, it's her responsibility. That I mean, I I don't know much about what the options air quotes were back in those days. Whether it's like leave a baby in the woods or something like that or uh, mallow. <laughs> I do know that. Because I fought with a priest about me taking birth control. Hmm. Do I need to tell that story? Mm-hmm. Okay, so... Tell them what mallow is. So mallow is a root that gives us marshmallows. Uh, but in its form, it does, like, as a as a tea, if you brew it, it does have a great deal of, like, abortifacient in it. Uh, no one really knows why. Because, like, by the time you're eating marshmallow, it doesn't have enough of that. But, like, consumed on its own, like, it was, um, air quotes, natural way to do that. 
But um, that happened because when I was in college, I went to a Catholic college. And my one of my last semesters there, I took contemporary Catholic moral issues with a priest who I think was present at the crucifixion of Jesus. <laughs> I think he was there. I think he was one of the guys like poking Jesus with a stick. All I can think of is <laughs> that line from frickin' Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I was there. I was at the crucifixion. And Spike going, if every vampire was at the crucifixion or says they were at the crucifixion actually was, it would have been like fucking Woodstock. Right. Uh, but I took that with... Father Elias, I'm going to go ahead and say it because he's retired now. I also, I think, I don't think he's dead yet. Yet. Um, and some preamble for this. At the time I took this class, my mother had died the summer before. And I chose to donate her organs, which is pertinent to the story. My uncle had died the summer before and we chose to cremate him. And I was on birth control because I like sex and have endometriosis. So those are all things that are pertinent to the story because in that class, Father Elias told us that we were sinners for taking birth control and that our birth control contained abortifacients. And basically every time you take birth control, you're getting a small abortion. Uh, he said that I had damned my mother's soul to hell because I donated her tissue and her organs. And that by not burying my uncle as a whole corpus, that we had also uh, ruined him for salvation. Didn't they change their policy uh, da, 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 da. on cremation in the 60s? So... Yes and no. Uh, Father, Father, uh, Pope Francis did recently update that language because you're talking about Vatican II. Mm -hmm. So he did update the language and it's still, you can be cremated, but not scattered. They don't want scattering. So you can be cremated. The church doesn't really care about cremation. It's what you do with the ashes. So here's your uh, theology lesson from from uh, your heretical Pope Amanda. Just, just make them all into one giant mm -hmm. diamond. So they don't want that either. They want, so the current word that Pope Francis has is you can be cremated, but you must be interred upon sacred land. Like you must be in one place and like a cemetery or a columbarium. They don't want you like at home or scattered is what the Pope says. Sorry, grandpa, you're, you're here. And then that's fine. Along with my dog. <laughs> uh, so oh, but dogs I, don't have souls, supposedly. Eh, Vatican II is up on the air about that. Uh, but Father Elias said all those things, and each time I fought him, and I said, there is more abortifacient in Wild Mallow than there is in my Yaz. I said that to him. And I said, if you are going to tell me that I damned my mother's soul for donating her organs, you say it to my face. I said, look me in the eye and say it. Because I didn't. And... Especially, like, the tissue company we went through to donate my mom's organs. Like, we get notifications when it's used. Mm -hmm. So, it's not just, like, a vague, oh, you're helping. Like, no, this person received your mom's this. So, like, here's the receipts of I'm helping. <laughs> Here, here's the receipt, Father Elias. Uh, but, like, it's just this, it's this patriarchal nonsense of, like, all that onus is on women's bodies. And that's very religious, which we did not have as a theme. Because I think we didn't want to talk about it. <laughs> I didn't want to add any more to it. You didn't want to add any more themes? Puritan values were just very... I mean, I, I mean, part of it I get. They're coming from this English culture who basically kills you if your beliefs are slightly off from what the current monarch has. But because, because Henry VIII ruined everything. Henry VIII did ruin everything. I love the fact that he hated Martin Luther so much that he wrote an entire book about how he hated Martin Luther and how he was wrong. And then, and then Henry starts his own religion. And it was like, wait, 
What? I will say, can I can I have one redeeming thing for Henry VIII? What? He did truly love his first wife. Did he? He did, absolutely. And it gutted him to uh, divorce her the way he did. Because he was the last of the remaining tutors and he needed a son. Now, anything after that is some is some bullshit. Well, he also <laughs> fell off his horse, got a major brain damage I, I, I don't like and it. hurt his leg. I don't like that hypothesis. I do. I, I mean, I like it, but at the same time, like, I, so I'm always- Brain damage and serial killers. That's all I'm saying. See, but I don't like that because, like, then you give, like, there was an episode of Law and Order with that where it was this football player who had, like, a bunch of concussions and he had, like, dementia because of it. And he ended up, like, assaulting some younger girl. And it was a whole thing and it was very, very sad, but, like- that whole argument of like nature versus nurture, like what are you versus what you become because of like stuff. I just don't like that because I have too many conditions myself and I don't want to look into the eye of God like that yet. I'm not ready because I technically have a shocking list of conditions. Well, you also don't go around killing people for fun, so. But I do sing while cutting things. <clears throat> I mean, I sing Sweeney Todd while cutting things. We're good. We've yet to sing. I mean, that's probably good. Is it? I don't know. Okay. Uh, so patriarchal bullshit, there's your other theme. Um, this actually might end up being our longest podcast. There is a lot of heraldry and genealogy in this, um, especially when Hester is standing up on the pillory and thinking about her life back in England and her dad and all this stuff. She comes from a very long, important line, supposedly. That no one cares about. That no one seems to care about, but... It's also this big thing of, oh, she came to the new land and she was nothing. That was a thing. To quote a famous song, bitches ain't shit, evidently. But anyway, there are a lot of symbols in this book. We are not going to name we all the symbols. We haven't even talked about, like, all the themes. You are really... <laughs> I really don't want to. <laughs> we have to. It's pain month. Okay. We have to at least talk about sin. Sam. And desire being a bad thing. The raven was called sin. And the first sin was in a course. Say it! Sorry, Carrie is very influential. Really? On my life. I respect um, that. So, this cheese is so pungent. It is very pungent. You like, love it, though. Like, I don't want to breathe on you. So, sin is obviously a major, 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 major thing in this book. Sure is. But there's a lot of concept of what counts as sin. Mm-hmm. So... You'll see a lot of people break this book down as who is the biggest sinner. And it almost always comes up to Chillingworth because he has put his heart aside to seek vengeance. And then Hester's sin is usually considered to be lessened because she has gone out to help people, like heal the sick and sew clothes for people. And it's like, what the fuck? Anyway, sorry, I I said the F word a lot in this podcast. Sorry, mom. Have I told you my, like, confession stories? No. Okay. So, for the first 20-something years of my life, I was raised Roman Catholic. Which means I went to confession a lot. And there was one year that I just, like, gave the priest a list with, like, tally marks of, like, the seven deadly sins that I committed. And he gave me, like, a prescription of, like, what I had to do. And it always felt like such a lowball. Like, you're asking me to do, like, five rosaries and ten Hail Marys. That's, like, less than an afternoon. And I'm telling you, I committed the sin of envy, like, 50 times. Like, it always just feels like such a low ball to, like, redemption. And, like, I get why, like, that's why a lot of people don't like aspects of, like, the church. Where you get that, like, deathbed Christian. 
Well, there's the whole thing, too, about uh, the indulgences, like the whole reason that Martin Luther King said, forget this and flip the table. Martin Luther. Martin Luther King. Was Whoa, not- Martin Luther. Sorry. <laughs> wow. Martin Luther, not Martin Luther King. I'm a Lutheran, so that was a really bad Lutheran moment. That was a that was a terrible Lutheran moment. I apologize to all of our listeners. We're never drinking this beer again. You know, the sad thing is that was probably racist because I was looking at you when I said it. That, okay. I'm not even going to say it was racist. We can't drink sorry. this. sorry. We can't no, drink good. this beer. We've only again. been through one beer. We've actually been through half of a beer okay i split one bottle i know i meant collectively it's gonna be okay it's been a really long week you guys yeah I, can we just say i think we mold around punting this to next week oh yeah um but so it would never have happened not as an excuse but i've been on a work trip for three days i came home i'm like i just want to go to bed and eat canes and that's what we did Raisin canes? Raisin canes. So if you live in a state that doesn't have raisin canes, it's basically just chicken fingers, bread, coleslaw, and uh, french fries. Like, they have a sandwich, and that's pretty much it on on top of that. Look at us running away from this book. Uh, Constantly. So so sin is a weird thing, because, yeah, like, the idea that uh, it's perhaps the righteous that are the ones that are sinning the most. Uh, The obvious thing that comes to mind is, like, Hunchback and Notre Dame, the Disney movie. yes. You're Which welcome. I want to watch later. Anyway. You have Disney Plus, and I'm a little disappointed in you. Don't be disappointed in me. I have a child, and that's, I have no excuses. Okay, no, that's, that's not an excuse, because yeah. you got it for yourself, and the child benefits. I mean, that's true. I know it is. I kind of want it, though. But I also, I mean, I already have Hulu Live, so I'm already feeding the mouse. Is this one of those times where I go, Disney, don't listen. Here's a password. I um, mean, Disney, don't listen. We do share Hulu Live. It's true. It, you do owe me. I do. And I'm happy to share. I love that we've gone to like Yakuza terms when it comes to uh, fucking um, <laughs> subscriptions. If we get to use that freaking cool hearse that we saw at the Museum of Natural Fu- or Natural Museum of Funeral History or whatever. The National Museum of Funeral National. History. I should the, know this. Na- natural Funeral. It's where you die outside. <laughs> I want to go there. Let's go. It's like we're watching Actually, uh, The Mandalorian and there's a whole thing. It's like initiate self-destruct sequence. And I'm like, that's me. That's me as a character. <laughs> Uh, fun fact, a Tibetan sky burial, not allowed in America. I know, which is bullshit. Do I actually explain what Tibetan sky burial is? You probably should. God damn it. I mean, it's totally <clears throat> illegal, too, if you go into South America and somebody does it to you against your will with a bunch of trained vultures. Not that I've seen those pictures. I'm sorry, what? This is what happens when one of your friends knows somebody who may or may not have used to work for the FBI and they had pictures from a drug lord uh, dismantling a body and feeding it to vultures. This very much feels like that Viking punishment where uh, they would cover a body in honey and let insects eat at you until you die. I mean, it's pretty dramatic. It is. Uh, so Tibetan sky burial is where you take a recently deceased person and you lay them out and let birds feast upon them. Uh, which I think is actually quite romantic. I mean, if your options <clears throat> are being buried underground or being lit on fire... Okay, but you're dead. It you're dead. Matter. I don't care. I'm I'm an organ donor. Just take them and use them for good. I'm also an organ donor. But don't, like, don't use them in rituals, because then that's awkward, and that's wasteful. You can use mine in rituals. If <laughs> is, is there is there a caveat to be, like, I'm okay with being, like, a Frankenstein's monster? Is that That's not a box on the driver's license yet. It's not? Not yet. Okay, because I consent to that. Please use me in weird rituals and yeah, scientific experiments. I watch a lot of well, Supernatural. Well, actually, you can... Um, 
create sign a contract with a company to donate your body after you die so they can do scientific experiments yeah. or uh, be donated to a, a body farm a body farm or a medical school or something yeah. like that um the thing is you have to be very clear about it in your will i know um because otherwise your family will contest it i a know lot of it's times. already in my will um okay so That's sin so being cool. bad uh if you need an example of that to, as i was making a point is uh minister frollo and uh hunchback notre dame if you want to look at like the righteous being a sinner there you go and, and there's a better movie too so there you go it's, there's just a better example of all of these themes realistically if you want to understand the themes of this book just watch the hunchback in notre dame there we go that's that's my t- where am i lying you're not <laughs> if you want sin is bad lust is bad desire is bad here's a sexy female lamp I mean, here's the only reason I watched the 95 Gary Oldman is because Gary Oldman was naked in it. Gary Oldman isn't attractive. Uh, 95, he definitely was. I think you're lying. I have a boner for Gary Oldman. It's a whole thing. Because even as serious Black, I'm like, I did my waiting. 12 years in Asuka, man. Chop, chop. Let's go. I think he's beautiful. I'm sorry. As But not Daniel Day-Lewis. As far as method actors go. Gary Oldman and I would be like... Okay. I'm sorry, sorry but Gary. as head of Slytherin, as the prince of the common room, your behavior in this moment does not reflect the kind of behavior that I expect from a fellow Slytherin. I also yell <laughs> at work constantly now. We're managed by an effing Gryffindor. And she's like, what? <laughs> like, I as, as one Quidditch captain and two head of the house, I cannot condone this behavior. You are displaying... Hufflepuff levels of emotional instability. Should I not tell you things about my crush on Oliver Wood then? <laughs> why do you have bad choices about everything? Um, See, there we go. That's why we need to talk about lust and desire being bad. Because I want to bank Gary Oldman. Yes. You have a deviant lifestyle that I can't support because you want to bang 95 Gary Oldman. Is this the whole thing of like, <laughs> you're going down a path I can't follow, Anakin? Yeah, pretty much. I have the high ground right now. I have a lot of questions. I have a lot of concerns. Like, friend to friend, I have some worries. I mean, I should get you the list. I, I had a huge crush on Morgan Freeman in the movie Seven when I was oh, in high school. that's vile. That's someone's granddad. Now? Then. Probably. He exited the womb old. You know that. <laughs> but not Sean Connery. I think it's just because okay, I would I, I would have I would have allowed things to happen to me to young Sean Connery. Young Sean Connery is one thing. Old Sean Connery. Current Sean Connery is dead. He's not dead. <laughs> he's, he's not. Still, no, he's still is alive. He still? Yeah, he's just got a lot of medical conditions. No, I don't believe you. I'm googling this because okay. I don't want to talk about this book right now. <laughs> so this is like I'm, Willem Dafoe. I'm, I don't want to talk about this book. I'm going into symbols because I'm done with themes. I don't no. want to talk about themes. We have anymore. to talk about Puritan values, Victoria. Uh, use my real name. Um, <laughs> I did. Purit- Puritan values. We're, they were bad. I they will were. say they did teach people to read, which is good. Some, However, some people to read. They did also abuse the local natives and black people. And black people. Thank you. Um, they were very hung up on everybody going to church. Yes. Um, and they wanted you to read a very certain kind of Bible. Yeah. They had no tolerance for other religious views. Yes. Like, absolutely none. That's why we have Rhode Island. It was meant to be a Catholic colony. Did you not know that? I didn't know that. Hooray! New information. 
Uh, Sean Connery apparently is still alive. You're right. He's Scottish. We have a Scottish sense. Are you going to know when he dies? I don't know. Probably. He was born um, in 1930. That, how is he still here? Um, he's Scottish. Are and, the Scottish uh, immortal? We're pretty hardy. He I mean, so as long angry. as the English aren't chasing us. I think you're pretty weak. Hey, <laughs> just listen, saying. you're trying to find a Scottish husband. I'm trying to help you. We're currently accepting applications through uh, unfortunately required reading at gmail.com. Oh, happily, just because you all suck at battle to the English, which in all fairness, they did have superior combat weapons. <sighs> they did. Well, they also gave us other scraps. I mean, okay, look, I don't have time to go over the Battle of Agincourt with you. No, you don't. Nor the Battle of Sterling Bridge. <laughs> Leave me alone. We've, we've, we've become a... I think this might be worse than Watership Down, because at least, like, Watership Down, we just didn't cover the topic. This, we're just willfully dancing away from it. Yeah. Uh, the, the Puritans were very big on the Ten Commandments, was what you followed... Yes. At all costs. Yes. Unless it was inconvenient to you and your yes. current poli- or religious and political beliefs. Um, yes and no. Uh, they were actually somewhat weirdly tolerant uh, post-Cotton Mather to the slothful. Because uh, Cotton Mather had that whole speech about um, being careful to these poor melancholics. Otherwise, like, I mean, to be an American means that you understand Puritan values. That uh, Protestant work ethic, work ethic words... Uh, See, I couldn't even say the word Protestant. I'm too Catholic. What are you saying about my people? No, well, but see. What have you said about mine? I called the founder of my religion Martin, Martin Luther, Luther King, King. So I have no leg to stand on. Uh, I'm opening this beer. Do you want me to open it or do you got it? You can open it if you'd like. I mean. This isn't a help thing. This is a. I should probably not be opening this beer. Um, That was much smoother. Yeah. yeah you did excellent. <sighs> yeah so i just a, have a nice lot pores, I'm sorry. you do a lot of american culture and american belief and a lot of our prosperity gospel and our um, shining city on a hill shining city on a hill and our very weird beliefs in very and multiple christian religions and individuality individuality superiority dominion over the land and the land all of and the, the creatures animals. yes that all is stemmed in Puritan values because they decided to get on a fucking boat because apparently uh, the Netherlands was too sinful for them. Did you not know that part? No, I knew that part. Okay. That's why I was laughing. Because <laughs> uh, apparently the, the Dutch were too uh, full of sin for them. I mean, have you been to Amsterdam? No. Let's go. We have to go to Romania first. So if we don't die in Romania. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. What kind of Scooby-Doo bullshit do you think we're doing in Romania? I don't know. I gotta go learn Romanian. We're taking a Viking River cruise and we're looking at Romania from a boat. Okay, I can do that. Okay. Uh, But like, really a lot of that forest tonight coming out. Tori, I don't have... I'm white. We make bad choices and we walk into forests. Okay. Oh, also themes. The forest being a dangerous place. I don't want to talk about the fucking forest. (laughs) I don't like forests, okay? They scare me. They scared the Puritans, too. Because they're fucking scary. And that's why Hester going into the woods with Dimsdale and Pearl, that's, that's racy. That's racy for the time. As I'm, like, waving my hands in front of the scarlet A on my chest. It's also a sex metaphor. It is a sex metaphor. But also, please appreciate that in my mind, uh, when you said go into the woods, I just heard uh, Johnny Depp as the wolf and into the woods. No, no. 
I, I pretend that that whole sequence doesn't exist in that movie, and I just go back to the one that had uh, Bernadette Peters. He's not that bad anymore. There have been new stories. I just, I don't, he, he's, he's a, he feels like a pedophile in that movie, oh, is what I'm oh, saying. Oh, yeah, it's gross. Because in the Into the Woods play, when, or musical, when it's actually performed, the role of Little Red Riding Hood is always played by an older person. Yeah, this or is Or somebody who's age appropriate. And at that point in time, I'm going... That is like a 10-year-old, I cannot play this game. Yeah, because it, okay, because it, it is a weirdly, grossly sexual song. It is, okay. You're, Sorry, Jason. <laughs> Why are you apologizing? <laughs> because we are so far off topic. <laughs> okay, we're getting back on the train. Do you have your ticket? Choo-choo, motherfucker. Okay, uh, so Puritan values, uh, America, we kind of suck, but we've always kind of sucked. Uh, watch Crash Course. Symbols. Symbols. <laughs> the image of Bathsheba and David in the minister's office. Oh shit, more Bible stuff. The famous affair in the Bible. So this is the thing that kind of gets me too. David, the whole story of this is David sees Bathsheba, Bathsheba bathing and he's like, I want to I put my dick in that. Well, she was already married. I don't remember that. And so what he did was he sent her husband to the front lines and lo and behold, he gets killed. So he's like, oh, you should come to me. And they have sex and they have a son who dies. Um, And it's a whole thing. It's supposed to be like how they're punished. But it's supposed to be a symbol of Hester and Dimsdale and their their affair and it's how it's viewed in the eyes of god okay can i ask a question that i don't think i've ever thought to ask yeah was hester laying with dimsdale like consensual that is what i want to know because a lot of of because hawthorne's a bad writer and we don't know so (laughs) in the 95 movie they make it very consensual very consensual however is that why you want to fuck gary oldman yes okay i think because i'm like oh look they both want to be together and they try to explain it too they're like oh our culture you know if we don't know that your husband's really Mm -hmm. dead we can't be together for seven years seven years that's too long let's go bang in the barn um not in the barn not in the barn i'm like we we already talked about the uh the fact that she like buys a slave in the movie and then just like the slave is in the house taking this sensual bath while this bird is flying around it's it's weird why um, is this Django Unchained I don't know it's really uncomfortable to you still watch. haven't seen Django Unchained no I haven't I failed I failed you so it's the affair part it, it always makes me wonder if it was one of those things of hey this is the minister the minister is telling me I can do this you know yeah, because, that I should do this because there was no hang up that time uh, about ministers marrying. That wasn't a thing. Because they're not Catholic. Mm-hmm. And uh, devious Lutherans don't have any issues with their uh, priests laying with people. Apparently. Nope. Nope. They they marry nuns. Um, Martin Luther. Not Martin Luther King. <laughs> I feel like I have to like... We're going to have to make a t-shirt now that says not Martin Luther King. That feels racist. Though. That does feel racist. Let's not do that. So there's the major symbol that the book is named after. The the giant giant fucking A? Yes. (laughs) The A that stands for adultery, but also stands for angel. Yeah. And a bunch of other A words that I don't really care about because I've had to read this book three times in my life. And it also could harken back to uh, a lot of other things that leave me at this moment. A for alpha. Yeah, I was at that Alpha and omega. Um... (laughs) Okay, I don't know. 
I'm sorry. Hey, that is that has been ruined for me because of deviant writing practices. Oh lord. Shame is a big symbol. Um, a lot of it is the concept of um, Hester dwelling in her shame as her punishment and using that to create herself as a stronger, better person. Yeah. Um, okay. But here's the thing. Shame is not all. So as someone who also had a not so great childhood, uh, that whole idea that like, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. I hate that. I think it's stupid because like, it just gives you weird coping mechanisms. Right. Because, like, that whole thing of, like, oh, well, pressure makes diamonds. Pressure also kills people. So, like, this whole idea that, like, she reforms herself in shame. How many others would have just, like, died? Just walked off the side of the cliff. Right. <laughs> so I was going to say yeeted themselves out of existence, <laughs> but that felt tactless. <laughs> So um, I want to go into name symbolism before we go into the rest of this, because once we get into public humiliation, I'm going to turn the floor over to you on torture. Yeah! That was very wow. loud. Sorry. <laughs> it was just one solid block on the recording. <laughs> name symbolism. So last time Amanda talked about how much she loved name symbolism. And I, okay, but please go over to the note that I left in the doc. Uh, I like name symbolism when it's good. So... I'm going to give you a quick breakdown of some of these names. Oh, oh and a spoon. Um, Hester is a variant of Esther, the beautiful Jewish woman in the Bible who saved the Jews by her words to her husband, the king of Persia. She was considered to be very virtuous. And it's kind of like, oh, it's irony that, she, that you know, Hester is not. But she also saves her people. Anyway, Pearl isn't a pearl is an item that's created from difficulty because the sand goes into the oyster the oyster gets pissed off makes it into a pearl and shoots it out yeah it's basically a, a pretty tumor yes um also the whole pearl before swine thing from the bible yeah uh, thou shalt not cast your pearls before swine saying that you should not give your precious things to the rabble yes dimsdale his light is dimmed by sin fuck you nathaniel sorry roger chillingworth like, I get mad about this one because it's kind of like Tolkien mm. calling the talking tree tree beard. Like, <laughs> okay, I get it now. You know, I think that's on the level of um, Remus Lupin or Sirius Remus Black Lupin, Moon Moon. <laughs> <laughs> Let's name the fucking werewolf Lupin. No one will ever figure it out. Remember, It'll be a mystery. For I remember as soon as they got there, I'm like, I wonder if he's a werewolf. And then I'm like, boom. It's kind of like watching, um, God, what is that show that I just started binging? It'll come to me later. It's about this guy whose dad is a serial killer. Anyway. The good son? Uh, Prodigal son. Prodigal son. But within five minutes of the episode, because I know how episodic writing happens in television, I know who the killer is going to be every time, but it makes me feel smart for about five seconds. Yeah. So me watching Prisoner of Azkaban as a child who took Latin, it's like Lupin. I know what that word means. <laughs> oh, I get it now. Yeah. Um, the comet. So there is a comet. And at that time in culture, even up into when Nathaniel Hawthorne was writing, comets were often seen as signs from the heavens that something major was going to occur. Mm-hmm. Um so them being on the the scaffold and talking to each other and all of a sudden this comet going over and them seeing it in the shape of an A. It's like, oh, for F's sake, Nathaniel, get out of your office. Um, 
All right. You hate Nathaniel Hawthorne so I much. I do. I hate his little mustache. I hate his weird hair. I hate everything about him. I hate the fact that even though his wife was a really well-known illustrator, he still gets all the credit. I hate that he moved into the Alcott's home. Anyway, there's a lot. Um, but before we unpack how much I hate Nathaniel Hawthorne. Do you want to talk about torture? Let's talk about torture and public humiliation. So, uh, public humiliation is a big thing of this. Obviously, why else would you make a woman wear a giant fucking A on her boob? <laughs> My favorite thing <laughs> is that they're all like, I don't know if we should let her do that because she'll just make it pretty with lace. And I'm like, oh my God, Dolores, shut the fuck up. Ma'am. I named all the talent gossips in my head. By the way, that's also 100% something that I would do. Like, I didn't have time to embellish hours, but like, I would 100% like deck this out in the lace. I would just make this like an accessory, like that horrible Easy A movie. I love Easy A. I hate that I movie. I love it so much. I hate it. Mostly just because I hate the plot. I hate the bones. Oh. So any dressing you put over the bones, I'm not going to like. I like that they try to turn it into an 80s movie. I don't like it. Because I don't think you can make this feminist. I don't if think you a, can. This isn't like a Jennifer's Body scenario. Patricia Clarkson and Stanley Tucci can be my parents, though. Like, I have an opening for dad. Sorry! No, that really hurt. I'm going to go cry in the corner. I'm um, going to give Tori a hug before we talk about public humiliation. Okay. okay. I'm not going to cry, though. No, I'm, I'm actually not crying, but I okay. get tears in my eyes. So I'm going to shut my mouth. So public humiliation. Um, society has been doing this for a long ass time. For about as long as there's been society. I love torture. Fun fact. Well, like, I love torture devices. I don't like torture like as a, as a physical practice. But as a concept, I love it. Because the idea of punishing the body to like get an end, I think is fascinating. Now, here's the thing. We have a lot of record of torture devices from this time. There's the Branks mask, which is this horrible mask that you put on people and it obscures the vision and usually has like a loud bell on it and it's visually grotesque and it scares people. Um, there's the Nag's bridle. There's the witch's pear. Oh. There's... Which I just recently learned was not just for the mouth. Mm-mm. Yeah. Uh, well, see, I only knew it for the other parts of the body. I knew it for the mouth, and then I, yeah. Uh, here's the thing with torture and torture devices. A lot of torture devices end up being used on women. And a lot of times, like the nag's bridle, it's done to punish women for things that we would not punish men for. So while I love torture devices... From like an aesthetic purpose, I find them morally abhorrent because unilaterally they end up affecting women more. Now the execution devices, usually men. We don't have a lot of issue putting men down like old yeller. No. <laughs> but torture, there's not a lot of, well, for different crimes. And oftentimes like this... Because Dimsdale was able to shield himself from that guilt, air quotes here, he doesn't get any of the pain of having to do that. He hides his A, which I think is telling. What's really awkward, too, is all the times all the virgin girls in town are, like, so into him. Yeah. And, like, I'm going to marry Dimsdale. And I'm going, that's so gross. That's so gross. Um, I will keep this lovingly short just because I can talk about torture 
for a very very long time for days i mean I, I i i do love torture devices i just i hate that society especially western society we use these against women because we don't want to hear them or see them or we want to punish them for innocuous things and it's frustrating um i mean it goes under the patriarchal bullshit uh, tag is that, is, that, is that a new ao3 tag patriarchal bullshit because <laughs> it's just it's true like the like the nag's bridal is there because your wife is a nag or the branks was often used for women who were too loud it's all just meant to punish and terrorize women why is gross. i mean i mean i don't want to say why because i know why it was patriarchy but like it's just icky and it makes me sad but fun fact about me i'm the person who corrected the viennese torture museum because they had a uh, Iron Maiden on display. And they had it listed as a torture device. And I said that as an execution device. And the curator said, what's the difference? To which I gasped in German. Gasping in German. Which I gasped in German. And said so the difference is torture is not meant to kill. Execution devices kill. So like the guillotine is on a torture device. That's an execution device. Uh, the So like that, I mean, that's the huge difference is... You should not die from a torture device. It can kill you from, like, shock or doing it wrong. But it's not meant to kill you. Like, the the witch's pair is not meant to kill you. People did die. Well, yeah, if you rupture organs. I mean, it was more from, like, bleeding and suffocation. Uh, also, a lot of, like, embolisms and stuff like that. Ugh. Or if it was heated. Ow. Yeah, they heated them. Yeah, you put your witch's pair over coals and then you... Why are people terrible? Uh, because... So, there's like a weird death drive part to it that I think exists. Like an almost like existential death drive that we hate each other so much because we all know that we're going to die. So we exact that revenge on each other. That was way deeper than this podcast deserves. By this, not us. This, I mean this episode. Um, But yeah, torture... It's uncomfortable because as much as I love it, yeah, I'm very aware that it was just used to terrorize women for many, many years. And even still, like, the threat of uh, having a baby out of wedlock and things like that, those are all things that are still concerning to people. And it is still ways to police and to control female bodies. And shame, I mean, to go back to it, we still have a lot of shame around female sexuality and women's pleasure. Like, we talked about that downstairs as I was slicing bread, because I don't have OCD. Um, <laughs> because I'm perfectly stable and have no problems. Uh, You're a perfectly stable genius? Uh, sure, yeah. I'm not stable in any way. Um, there's still a lot of policing around that, that even though we are in an air quotes more enlightened time, I still hide condoms when I'm buying them, like, under magazines and stuff. Like, there's still shame when your basket at Walgreens is a Food Network magazine, a pint of ice cream, and a pack of Trojans. Because that was my basket one night. I believe you. Yeah, but, like, there was still shame in that. Like, it's weird. And even just the way, like, religion especially punishes women. It's, it's just frustrating. 
because it seems like it shouldn't be this way. It's not supposed to be this way. Like, it really just feels like it shouldn't be this way. And I, I almost, if I had a time machine and like racism wasn't an issue. I was going to say. And racism wasn't an issue. If I, if it was like a Doctor Who thing, I just like observe. I, I want to find the nexus point of when, like, patriarchal thinking started. Because I think they say, like, uh, Fertile Crescent kind of, like, uh, when we start transitioning from hunter-gatherers to agriculture. Because agriculture ruined everything. I mean, I can't help it. I like corn. <laughs> yeah, but corn is why we have the patriarchy. Can I have corn without the patriarchy? No. Uh like, it's just, it's frustrating because it just, it feels like society wasn't always like this. And it wasn't. We get these little tantalizing glimpses of societies that, like the Indus River civilization and stuff like that, that did not have these hangups. And there was more sex and love and there were like polyamorous relationships. And it just felt like a weird Eden that we can't have now because men are garbage sometimes. Should we go to questions from listeners? Uh, yeah, sure, whatever. <laughs> I don't want to. So there was a question. It was, what thoughts ran through your mind the first time you read the book? Was it part of required reading in your high school English classes? You want to go first? It was part of required reading for both high school, college, and this podcast. Um, <laughs> the thoughts that went through my mind the first time I was reading it on a beach because I was on a bougie vacation with my dad. Ooh. Um, and they're like, yeah, you got to read this before we start school because I think they were trying to avoid problems. Um, I just kept going, but why is she the only one being punished? Um, in college, I will admit when they told us it was on the syllabus, my first thought was, oh, for fuck's sake. Um, and then for this podcast, it was, I'm doing this because I love you guys. Um, similar. I did have to read this in high school and I did have to read this in college with the lifestyle romance. Ooh, I'm sorry. I am too. And, uh, my first thought was, this is just boring. I did watch the movie where Gary Oldman makes sweet, sweet love Demi Moore. Well, I will say also when you're listening to the audiobook in the first 45 minutes, are Nathaniel Hawthorne's narrator bitching about working in the custom house? It's kind of like, okay, but I can complain about my job on my own. Uh, and then, yeah, like reading it for the podcast was now I, I care more. So. Now it's, why didn't she just run away? Why is she the only one that is being punished? Because it takes two to make a baby. Also, like, pulling out's a thing. <laughs> it is. Condoms were even a thing back then. Also, we completely glossed over a Dimsdale committing simony. Yeah. Is that where he was, like, stealing money? Well, he was taking money. He wasn't stealing. He just shouldn't be taking money. Because that was one of the things that Martin Luther, without the king, uh, was upset at the Catholic Church for. So, fuck you, pot and kettle. <laughs> Don't fuck a kettle. That just sounds like a bad idea. That sounds awkward. That sounds very awkward. That that does sound like something that a J.K. Rowling would write in her weird, gross, like, alternate world where she actually thinks that Dumbledore's gay. So I'm going to tell you guys a little bit about Nathaniel Hawthorne. Born on the 4th of July. There's a little titty about Jack and Diane. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, God. <laughs> so he was I born July 4th, 1804. Died May 19th, 1864. So oh. he, he missed the Civil War. He was almost there. He's a cancer, like me. Oh, God. I'm sorry. Um, we have other cool people. 
He was a relative of one of the Hawthorns, who was a Salem witch trial judge and also a massive douche. Um, a lot of the interesting thing about the Salem witch trials is a lot of people who were executed had land and that land went to other people. Almost like it had nothing to do with witchcraft and was a giant geopolitical coup because men hate women. Yay! I'm sorry. Um, and if you stand up for women, you get crushed to death like Giles Corey. Anyway, so Nathaniel's family changed his last name to include a W to distance themselves, even though that they were still living off the finances gained through the witch trials. Is this what white privilege is? Yes, it is. Fucking Nathaniel Hawthorne. Um, his dad died when he was young, so Hawthorne grew up with his grieving mother and sister in relative isolation. Welcome to the club, Nathaniel. Um, in 1813, he got hit in the leg while playing ball and was bedridden, but the doctor could find nothing wrong with him. Is he Zenobia from Ethan Frome? He just has a histrionic illness? Do you like how I included that? Because I hate Nathaniel Hawthorne so okay. much. Um, his, as stated before, his sister Elizabeth and he checked out books on colonial history from Salem Ath- Athenaeum. Um, many scholars see Hawthorne as an opportunist because he could employ, exploit the uh, fact that there was already history written and all he had to do was go in and change names. You hate Hawthorne so much. I do. Um, not as much as I hate Edith Wharton, though. Um, really? So he worked at a lot of government jobs in Salem because he had sweet hookups from people at Bowdoin College. Mm-hmm. Um, he was not good at any of it. He hated living in Salem and bitched about it all the time. Um, when he was in college, he wrote a letter back home that said a man cannot be a poet and a bookkeeper at the same time. Calm the because fuck down. he didn't want to work and write at the same time. Um, transcendentalism was a big deal during his time. He lived and worked with a bunch of transcendentalists, but didn't believe in them because he believed that, uh, the world was horrible and that the heart was a wellspring of evil. Do you want to talk about transcendentalism? Yes, please. <laughs> so the transcendentalism, <laughs> that's fine. I took, actually, I took a college course on transcendentalism in America. Okay. So was it Emerson or Thoreau whose mom still made him sandwiches and brought it to the cabin? It was Thoreau. Okay. Was, Sorry. I don't remember. It was one of them. They're the same person at this stage. Um, at this stage, they're the same person. So the transcendental movement was basically uh, transcending like the human like condition through work and nature. Think of them as like proto-proto-proto-hippies. Almost like Jim Jonesy kind of hippie or like Manson-y kind of hippie. Like, let's go live in a commune. And, like, they were really big on, like, making utopias, like the Oneida utopia, which was all about May-December romance, and making uh, China that you can still find. Mm-hmm. Look up the burned-over district in New York. There's a lot of weird religions from there. Yeah, you can still get uh, Oneida dishware. So, there we go. Free love and May-December romance. Uh, the transcendentalists were weird. Uh, they were, they I mean, they were just giant tree huggers, and they probably smoked whatever was equivalent to pot back then, so like salvia or wormwood. Sounds fun. Uh, so your big transcendentalists are like your Thoreaus and your Emersons. And they were just hippies and they wanted to like... they uh, Calling them hippies feels weird because... So fun fact, as much as you hate Hawthorne, I think I hate Thoreau. Because this whole idea of like, I'm going to complain, I don't want to pay taxes, but also I'm going to live in this fucking park that's paid for by taxes. Like, get a fucking job. Hawthorne did, and he hated people. So, also, a uh, fun fact, Edgar Allan Poe hated transcendentalists and made fun of them every chance he got. Yes, so, like, he the, did. The idea of, like, all Henry these... James, too. Yes. <laughs> so, all, the idea of all these people, like, knowing each other fascinates me. That's why I said earlier, like, American history is weird. 
that like there is a world where this is really just like Harry Potter and you have Poe in a corner like laughing at Thoreau and Emerson for being nerds. While dying slowly. <laughs> While dying slowly and trying to fuck a cousin. <laughs> How is there a fuck counter for this episode? I don't know and I don't want to know because I'm going to go back and edit it and I'm going to be like, sorry, Miss Jackson. <laughs> I am for eels. I hate you so much. <laughs> um, I also hate that my brain didn't know if you were going to go for the panic at the disco one. No. Or the... <laughs> so Hawthorne's wife was tied into the transcendentalist movement. By um, He was married to Sophia Peabody, uh, a painter and illustrator of the movement. Mm-hmm. He was... Initially shot down by Sophia's sister, Elizabeth. And then he was like, well, there's another sister. Yeah, there's actually a very, very funny story where uh, Hawthorne and a compatriot said, like, they basically traded a bottle of wine for who was going to get married first. It was a bottle of Madeira, specifically, mm-hmm. which we almost drank. We almost drank Madeira. But after last episode's port disaster. <laughs> Listen. After, after the great port disaster of 2019. We're not drinking wine again for a while. Aww. Well, I don't know. We haven't, I have not done the research yet for next month. Oh, yeah, because I kept changing what book we were going to read. You've changed it about five times. Mm-hmm. And you've probably seen every single I've time. I've seen every edit. Google sends you an update. It does. So I, I do think it's interesting that Hawthorne hated transcendentalists because to like nature, you have to like people. And apparently he was about the level of misanthropist as I am. Yeah. I'm not sure how he had such a happy marriage with Sophia Peabody. I think a lot of it was that she was just like, you're being too negative. But maybe he wasn't a terrible person. I kind of hope. I mean, I I want there to be at least uh, some redeeming qualities. We also need to sort him by the end of this episode. We have fallen dreadfully behind on sorting. So he was friends in college with future president Franklin Pierce. Um, who I would not have sex with if you were listening to the beginning of this episode. We can't play um, the beginning of this episode. Oh, yeah, we can't. Um, he, uh, Hawthorne purchased Louisa May Alcott's childhood home for his family. It's called Wayside. You can still visit it today. Interestingly enough, the graveyard where he is buried um, also has the Alcott's and then another writer that I can't remember the name of. That's why no one cares. Um, one of my favorite quotes was from Ralph Waldo Emerson, who said, Nathaniel Hawthorne's reputation as a writer is a very pleasing fact because his writing is not good for anything. And this is a tribute to the man, which was basically, you're welcome for me adding that in, which was basically, he's such a good guy. He's such a good guy. I mean, he's a terrible fucking writer, but at least people buy it because they like him. Anyway, I, I found that while I was researching this because I research too sometimes. Just sometimes. Listen, I, I uh, I don't like Nathaniel Hawthorne. Me either. And I watched a lot more on him than I wanted to. Okay. So we used, a, oh, I used resources. You used resources. We used lots of resources. We did use resources. Um, there's hawthorneandsalem.org. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's Sparknotes, because of course, there's actually a whole Sparknotes video that you can see on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wikipedia. Thug Notes. Thug Notes. Uh, it was one of his first ones. It was actually a very good Thug Notes. It was a really good one. Chili. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If you get a chance to watch, um, or if you have Amazon Prime, there's one called The Hawthorne Legacy. It's 30 minutes. It's mostly professors talking about it. Um, it's really distracting because you keep just looking at the individual features of the professors going, what? Um, 
obviously Easy A, which we already talked about, and the 1995 Gary Oldman movie. Just please keep in mind that the first hour does not apply to anything from the book. But you do get to see Gary Oldman's butt. You get to see Gary Oldman's butt, and you get to see him and Demi Moore, like, have sex. So, I mean, if that's part of your interest. Yeah, in a barn. Like in Wild Wild West. (laughs) We already talked about if we had to read this in school, so I'm going to skip over that. But we have to sort Nathaniel. (laughs) <laughs> we have not sorted authors in a while we're behind no we haven't so uh, where do we put nathaniel he's not a slytherin he's not he thinks he's smarter than his own good i want to say he's a ravenclaw hmm okay what are what are you thinking i don't want him here <laughs> oh he's he's he doesn't get to hang out in slytherin house okay well no i don't want him here i want him in like the weird russian school that victor crumb is from oh okay i don't want him here yeah, yeah. i don't want him um he could be from the one in the u.s the racist one in the u.s the accidentally racist one it's not accidental just jk rowling is not a good writer i think she went oh look here's some names i'm gonna use those and then the native americans are like what is wrong with you yeah fun fact uh, i don't like jk rowling very much i love her work i don't like her as a person did did we figure this out from this episode and multiple <laughs> Fight me. I don't like her. I okay, I think honestly our next debate needs to be death of the author because I think as as we continue to do this, and I've even said this to a I was talking to another friend about this. What I find when I get angry at things is I get angry at systems on individuals. So like I'm not mad at billionaires, I'm mad at a system that allowed billionaires to exist. Like, I'm not mad at Jeff Bezos. Like, he just, he exploited a system that allowed for this to exist. So, like, when it comes to writing, very rarely am I mad at the author, except for when I am. (laughs) Like, J.K. Rowling. (laughs) Like, very rarely, especially, so... I just want to be mad at Hawthorne's mustache. Am I allowed to be? Sure. I think for me, I guess the cutoff is, can this person defend themselves? And the answer for Hawthorne is no, because he's dead. And we don't know what he was like. He might not have been a dick. Yeah, the Puritans he exploited couldn't stand up for themselves either. Okay, but we know J.K. Rowling is a terrible person because she says it on Twitter every day. We know that. We know. We know Anne Rice isn't a great person because she sent takedown notices to fan fiction writers. I mean, listen, I got a takedown notice for a lot of stuff that I put on fanfiction.net. I also got takedown notices. I mostly just stopped using fanfiction.net. I got a takedown notice for a couple things I had on Quizilla. I remember you got a takedown notice from the Taylor Swift camp for something that you had on your personal uh, Redbubble. But I got a sticker before they shut it down. Yeah, Taylor Swift, uh, I know you're going through this whole thing. With your management, where you have stirred up a mob and tell and told your fans to uh, seek a rational solution. Fuck you, Taylor. We were talking about doxing earlier. I love you, Tay Tay, run! <laughs> Charlatan? <laughs> Sycophant? I'm gonna go sit at the Robespierre table. I'm just going to start singing, look what you made me do in the corner. I, I don't like Taylor Swift as a person. I don't like her as an artist. I like her cats. Fuck. One of those named after Olivia Benson. Okay. What are we doing? Why are we here? So here's the thing. Ravenclaw. There we go. Next month is my birthday. Well, your birth month. 
The whole... <laughs> you're, you're Julius Caesar? Yes. The whole month? The whole month. I mean, same. So here's the thing. Scheduling is hard. It is. Um, in December. It is. So we're doing technically two books in one episode. Because one is a short story. <laughs> Ambrose Bierce's An Incident at Owl Bridge and The Devil's Dictionary. Okay. The Devil's Dictionary is just fun reading. I don't expect no, I to love take it, it seriously. I, I quote it a lot, actually. Now... You cannot change this book again. Oh, no, I'm done. Okay. Now that I've announced it live, I can't change it again. I need you guys to know that I've been through like eight different things. Yes. Uh, metamorphosis, uh, crime and punishments. Which would have been a crime and a punishment. Yes, which would have been really, really hard. And I would have made you eat herring under a fur coat. Um, Sounds like it? convention last year. <laughs> um, also, the one that was the right there as a front runner was Kurt Vonnegut. Um, Kath, oh, not Cat's Cradle. Sorry, you to read Slaughterhouse Five or The Children's Crusade. Um, so that's what, because I like giving the full title. Anyway, we love you. Thank you for putting up with us. Now, for the love of God, well, wait, do we need to do social media? Yeah. If you wanna, if you wanna find us on social media, uh, Amanda's super active on our Twitter, which is unfortunately RR. Yes, I am. That um, is my domain. Unfortunately, required reading on Facebook. You're gonna find a lot of really weird memes. I'm sorry. No, I send a lot of them to you. I love them. I'm like, excuse me. They're mostly literature based. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, required on Instagram is where we put pictures of the food, which we also put on our website, which is unfortunately requiredreading.com. Yeah, let us know if you want uh, more notes on me picking liquor and stuff, because I actually put a shocking amount of thought into this. Amanda really does. Um, the text message conversations that go into this are pretty intense. So if you want to suggest a book for the podcast, if you have a funny story, if you want to tell us what we should be drinking or tell us about a rare liquor that we will never be able to find, um, you can email us at unfortunatelyrequiredreading at gmail.com. Yeah. Um, additionally, we have been mulling over a Patreon. Mm -hmm. So as far as rewards and stuff go, we'd love to hear from you guys what you think, because as the host of this show... We don't know what you want. <laughs> yeah. Like, if you're really into stickers, if stickers is like your whole world, I want to know that. And I design a lot of stickers. If you, like, really would love a t-shirt for being a sponsor at a certain level. Or if you want to hear the secret podcast that ends up getting recorded for 20 minutes before we start talking about books. That's usually pretty awkward. Um, it's, okay, this okay. one was awkward. This one was really awkward. I think the last one was great. No, the last one was... We, we bitch a lot about Disney movies where I'm singing and uh, Amanda's like, no, that movie is evil. Stop it. Oh, no. <laughs> Beauty and the Beast. Okay, yes. <laughs> so let us know what kind of rewards you want that will not affect any of our wonderful uh, supporters on Anchor. Yeah. It's just something that we've been kind of mulling around as we hit our one year and stuff like that. Uh I guess that's what you do when you're, air quotes, uh, an influencer. We, we want to make sure that if you mm. want to help sponsor us, that we do something that you actually care about. Right. Because I think when we were discussing things like Patreon, the big thing is, is what are you getting out of it? Outside right. of just uh, letting us buy more expensive liquor. Yeah. So let us know uh, on, on, on Ani, <laughs> on any of our social medias uh, about that. And now I finally get to go say, please read a book. <laughs>